welcome everyone listening to uh, Telecom Radio One. We're just we're starting off here. I'm talking with John Larson today, and uh, the conversation's been so good. Just talking with you for the first five minutes that I'm like really wanted to just tell you to shut up and let me record. <laughs> um, but guys, welcome, welcome everyone listening to Telecom Radio One uh, today. Talking with John Larson, he is the Manager of Enterprise Infrastructure Services and Engineering at CHS and in parentheses network uh, computer storage, uh, in short, IT stuff. So, man, uh, first of all, thank you for being on the show. We have a lot of uh, great stories to talk about today. First, I'd like to know why you manage network connections on tugboats. Um, well, first, just tell me a little bit about CHS because, A, it's a great company, Fortune 100. Um, you guys have a, a co-op or support a co-op model. So maybe just tell me a little bit about that. Sure. And thank you very much for, for having me on. Um, it, it's, uh, first of all, CHS, like you said, great company. Um, as far as, uh, you know, a technologist to try to deliver services, uh, this is, this is a very, very interesting case. Uh, and quite frankly, very challenging in that, uh, this is very, uh, or it's atypical, uh, as far as organizations, because there, this is not a hierarchy in which we can kind of say, this is how you're going to do it. Um, this cooperative model represents 600,000 American or North American farmers. Our board of directors is comprised of farmers. You have to be a farmer, uh, an actual practitioner, uh, one of those 600,000 uh, North American farmers in order to sit on the board. So mm-hmm. it is a very unique you know, kind of model. So when I say, we're going to do this, they can say, yeah, that's funny. And they go do whatever they want. So um, <laughs> I need to build a business case that, you know, um, captures, you know, you their interest. IT farmer. You need IT <laughs> yeah, farmer. Exactly. This is getting better. Is it, This is getting <laughs> well, better by the minute. Are well, you a farmer, I, first of all? No, I'm not. Well, you don't even you know, grow like, like, you don't even have like. I eat a lot. Like a tomato plant or something. I mean, you've got to have something that you've got to. I have, uh, I have lots of weeds and I, <laughs> I'm reluctant to mow the lawn when I should. So let's just say, yes, I, I consider right. myself a farmer okay. of all the wrong things. Um, but no, I, um, <laughs> I, the, having grown up in Minnesota, uh, certainly, you know, agriculture is, is a big deal. Mm-hmm. Uh, this. Um, you know, just being in that environment. That being said, until um, I applied to CHS, you know, a week before I applied to CHS, I had zero idea what CHS was, um, other than the fact that it is the brand that is displayed on the side of the St. Paul Saints minor league baseball stadium. Well, that's Um, cool. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about, I know a little bit about a co-op, but I only know kind of vaguely from like, you know, what the human mind can come up with, what like a co-op is, but can you give us maybe just the general definition of a co-op real quick? Yeah. How it works? Even though it has nothing to really to do with IT, <laughs> I think it's an important thing to know. Yeah, absolutely. And, and actually it does intersect with IT pretty well and, and we'll, we'll explore that in a bit, I think. Uh, so the cooperative model, of course, is, you know, if you're, if you're a farmer uh, and you're, you know, getting really good at growing that one crop or two crops that you grow, you get to a point where, you know, you and your kids and, and that are, are sick of eating your beans and you want to, you know, eat, you know, corn. And uh, so you, you work out a deal with your neighbors uh, that you, you give some of your beans for some of their corn. So now you're cooperating. Um, it's like that, when I worked at, you know, the pizza place, and we just were sick of eating pizza. And we said like, hey, Burger King guy, 
can we yep. trade burgers with you? Yep. And at, at 10 minutes before close, you dropped off your two pizzas <laughs> and you picked up that sack of... of uh, <laughs> okay. That's yep, a really horrible exactly. analogy that someone at your company is going to hate me. <laughs> <laughs> well, no, the funny thing is I worked at McDonald's and of course we did the same thing with the, uh, the local pizza place. So, um, but yeah, funny stuff. Um, but yeah, so that is indeed the cooperative model. And, and as you start to scale that, uh, you realize, you know, beans and corn aren't getting it done and, and you start to, to need other types of products. Well, so as you start to um, broaden out and need access to additional markets, you start to add to that cooperative model uh, in order to be able to access those additional, mo- or additional markets. At the same time, you start to realize that through economies of scale, uh, you can g- gain additional buying power. And so that is born, you know, that local, then regional um, kind of cooperative. And the, uh, you know, in North America, there's about 2,200 um, agricultural cooperatives, of which about 1,100 fall under the CHS brand. And the C in CHS comes from Senex, the HS from Harvest States. Uh, those two merged uh, about a decade and a half ago to become CHS, mm. which isn't actually an acronym, it's CHS. Uh, but um, that comprises uh, kind of this huge global cooperative that really is there to serve those 600,000 North American farmers so that they can best, you know, sell their grain. Um, and what it does is it gives them access to markets throughout the entire globe, mm-hmm. meaning that a bunch of those farmers, instead of them having to figure out how to get soybeans to China, mm-hmm. know that they, through this um, organization that they are owners of, can fill up 110 cars of a train that goes out to the Pacific Northwest and gets loaded on a ship that is coordinated by this entity that they own and gets sent over to a port that they part own uh, to get distributed to both state and private um, entities within China. So that model is played out across a bunch of different uh, products. Uh, really awesome. It must be great to go into a company every day that's at least exciting and rewarding to work at. Not, not everyone has that. Not everyone has that. So, um, so good for you. <laughs> Let's see. Um, now, that segues to the next point, which we were talking about earlier, which is you have to manage um, network connections. Now, you said whether this matters or not. Of course, it matters. Every network, every end, <laughs> yep. every endpoint matters. Um, but you've got endpoints that are even on tugboats, which I thought was cool. Um, I think after that description that you just told me, now it makes sense as to why you'd have a tugboat. But what, when's the last time you've had to troubleshoot a tugboat? Well, um, either my team is really good because they don't tell me when they have to or really bad because they don't tell me when they have to. But, um, you know, those are metrics I probably should be collecting. But uh, to be honest with you, um, it's um, that's one of the exciting things really for me about CHS is we are so large that there is there is problems that I and my team have to solve that I I could not make up. and two years ago, it was, you know, we have tugboats that need, you know, access to these applications. How are you going to solve for that? And so that thrust us into the, you know, is there Cat 6 waterproof? Um, you know, I need 10 miles of it. I mean, what, you know, what, <laughs> and, and no. what do we do? Um, you know, know, satellites so. <laughs> aren't that great yet. Or satellite wasn't right. that great yet. It actually is now. Now we're seeing 100 meg downloads with some satellite stuff. <laughs> 
Right. So uh, cellular was kind of just hitting its stride a little bit there. Yeah. And, but then you have coverage issues. And uh, the lucky thing is, you know, those tugboats do at least stick close to, you know, certain areas of concentration. Um, so hopefully with not many big buildings in between, unless you're in New York. Right. Uh, but what you would have good cell phone coverage there. So um, right. Gotcha. So it makes sense. So then we were talking about the the cradle point and, and bringing in a cradle point, right. or at least having two connections. So that makes sense. Um, any SD WAN stuff like in that in the arena there? Are you playing around with SD WAN yet for bandwidth aggregation and stuff like that? Yeah, we we have one one of the challenges specifically with being an agricultural co op is most of our sites are in the most you know, remote places that they could be. Mm -hmm. Um, So getting any type of good service to them is hard. So uh, early on, you know, we had a lot of providers that would come and tell us the story of, you know, you can get rid of your MPLS and and get, you know, the same amount, you know, five nines through doing SD-WAN. And I would tell them, you know, if I could get two, companies to actually provide service, that would be a, that would be great. I could get something other than DSL and dial up. Like, will DSL dial up work? Yeah. When I'm when I'm looking at, you know, 256 up and, you know, three meg down on a good day, um, you know, you know, call me back. But um, so that being said, you know, the, quite frankly, uh, things have gotten a lot better and there's been a lot of programs that have, have really driven fiber, you know, and ethernet out to yeah. uh, those locations now. So we're really being able to take advantage of that. Uh, so yes, SD-WAN is something we've started to roll out here. Uh, the Viptela product is is what we're positioning. Um, a lot of that because we were already, you know, a Cisco shop before yep. that. And, uh, you know, that is a from what we've seen, you know, very compelling product. And quite frankly, I really like the B analytics and, and a lot of the, the what actually is going across the network. So I can have those conversations with the business to say, um, I know you don't think that, you know, that's driving a lot of costs, but it really is. Um, so, um, yeah, yeah. The when you start to break down the, I guess if we're going to get into return on investment, really ex- exciting mathematics there. That's very complicated. But um, when you get into that, those ROI models, there is a ton of labor and various different things that that factor in that really do make a difference. Uh, Absolutely. Um, you have such a great history. I mean, you were with Target for ten years uh, as well. I'm sure we could talk a ton there. That 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 might be fun. But what's really uh, exciting to me is your first experience with VoIP back in 1999. Uh, we were talking before the call. I remember the uh, the whole Y2K thing, and my friend mm-hmm. shut the breaker off at uh, 12 o'clock on New Year's to try and scare everyone um, that Y2K actually happened. But uh, more exciting, uh, 1999. I mean, VoIP has changed a lot since then. Um, you've got some experience, um, you know, in the Marines w- with Cisco, and that story. That story, I think, is really what we need to talk about today, or at least a, a good portion of it. So, why don't we why don't we just go there right now? Because 1999 and VoIP, um, everyone hated VoIP back then, but not <laughs> yeah. you. Well, yeah, it was a uh, it was a great time. Um, I, you know. Joined the Marine Corps a little later in life than most. So I was 28 when I joined. So uh, when I got to my first duty station, and and it was kind of when I joined the Marine, I just want joined the Marines. I just wanted to be a Marine, so I, I didn't really care about rank. So when I did get to my duty station, um, I was you know at you know very low rank. So I um, was uh, you know fortunate 
to to be at least a little older and viewed as more mature and responsible. Uh, also, it was beneficial that I I wasn't yet tied to anything, so they had a a need, I guess, of someone to do something, and I just happened to be the right person in the right place at the right time. So they pointed me towards some boxes in the back and said, "We need you to figure out how to get all this working," and uh, <laughs> and here's why. And what it was is uh, boxes of a couple of call manager servers and uh, a D- two DT24 Plus gateway cards uh, for PRIs. How yep. did they think? Okay, so where, how did you get chosen for that? Like, what level of experience did you have for them throwing some boxes of Cisco call managers in the corner? Honestly, my heart was beating. Um, that was, uh, <laughs> so I believe, the, I made it in on time the first day. I guess because I, I when know. I look at Cisco nowadays, when I look at Cisco and uh, call managers, I look at Cisco from a voice perspective. It's not the. I wouldn't say it's like you know, keep it simple, stupid. Right. I wouldn't say it's like you know the simple, the easy way right? Like, I want to say this is the easy way to go do do anything. So anyways, go on, please. Yeah, I'd like to be able to say that they saw some brilliance in me that that showed them that I was, you know, I was Neil. Um, I'm I'm not going to go ahead and uh, and agree with that. Did they say, do you know how to use a computer? I mean, did they (laughs) ask you that? (laughs) I had used phones before. Um, No. So, so I did go to school for small computer systems specialist, which uh, interestingly enough in the Marine Corps is here's how to troubleshoot a sound card. Um, Go at it. You're, you're good to go. Now here's your rifle. Go, go in wars. So. I, you know, they knew that I was at least trained uh, in some form or fashion uh, within, you know, this vocation, I guess. But uh, at the same time, you know, they're, <laughs> in, in retrospect, there is no reason that they should have trusted me with something this potentially <laughs> important, uh, but it is what it is. And, and I think, uh, you know, the story turned out at least fortunate for me. So, um, so what do you do? I mean, honestly, what did you do? You open these boxes? There's no instruction packet, is there? I mean, yeah, well, yeah, there's some, there's some funny stories there too. So we, um, you know, broke it open and the intent was to have, so the Marine Forces Reserve. And so I was stationed in New Orleans. I was active duty, but the Marine uh, or that particular location in New Orleans was the headquarters for the 184 remote sites uh, throughout the country that were reserve sites. And so, and those, just to break this yeah. down before we get into the weeds here, how many phones did you have to deploy back in 1999? Uh, so, two to each of those 184. So, what is that? So, 300. 300. So, that's 70, a pretty good. Eight, I mean, eight. we would call that like a mid market company, not its government, but. But sure. for anyone that says, you know, you know, you know, VoIP is like a nightmare and, you know, we got to stay on our PBX, you know, forever, right? That's like, you're doing this in 1999. So if the government's doing it, that's probably the best argument for VoIP that it could be, <laughs> especially if you're doing it back in, or worst argument, I don't know for our government. I don't really know which one's better. But um, you're doing this in 1999, 300 some on phones roll out. All right, continue. Yeah, and... and- to, again, to the brilliance of the decision of me, I had no idea whether that was a lot or a little or nothing. So I went into it as a, well, it must be, must be rudimentary if they're picking me to do it, <laughs> right? So, uh, so here we this are. Is crazy. Yeah. So you know, get the get the servers installed or you know, the racked stack. Uh-huh. Get the uh, media in there. Yeah. Okay. You know, um, installed. You know, basically next, next, next. Because who am I to make a decision one way or another here? Um, 
we have our, uh, my Cisco SE um, was there to help. He, which I like to remind him because he had a, his CCIE had a two digit number, I believe, associated with it. So I would remind him that he was, that was when it was an entry level test. Um, two digit I, number. I want to get yeah. him on the show. <laughs> well, he, I, I'd have to, I'd rack my brain to try to figure it out, but it, okay. it truly was prior to the CCIE really being a CCIE test that, you know, had that crazy level of respect to it. Not saying that it shouldn't at that I level. I who was number one. But, yeah, I don't, uh, well, he might even know, but this was, okay. again, at a, at a time when um, he wasn't that much help, believe me. Uh, <laughs> and and I, I can I can get into that more. More when, evidence of as to why we don't need this these things. Yeah, well, I'll, I'll foreshadow. Renewed. Yeah. Renewed. Right, go ahead. I'll, well, I'll foreshadow a little bit in the future, and that's when we're bringing up Unity a, a year or so later when uh, they made that acquisition. And... Um, I'm struggling for weeks and I'm telling him I'm not getting anywhere. I'm calling tech. They, they don't have any help for me. And a couple of weeks later he comes back and says, um, I didn't give you the second disc of the media. That's why and I'm like, you're <laughs> killing me here. And, and nowhere did the first disc ever say, please put in the second disc um, at all. And of course it was just burn media that he gave me. And as opposed to anything with instructions. So, that's but like yeah, Sharpie, like, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> and, uh, but you know, Hey, it worked before with the other one. Why didn't it work this time? You know, so, okay. um, but at any rate, well, so, right. yeah, so we got it lit up and, and I was immersed in, you know, route, route groups and, uh, you know, route patterns and, and all of that, which, uh, I guess when you don't have anything to compare it to or any bias towards, uh, any other type of way to lay that out seemed completely logical to me. Mm-hmm. I had the benefit of um, going over to Plano, Texas where the Celsius, oh, and, and I was going to mention uh, the labeling on everything was all Celsius. The boxes were still Celsius at that time because mm. the acquisition had just happened earlier that year okay. um, for Cisco. Or maybe it was less than a year since the acquisition when we bought them. Maybe that's what it was. But um, So the SP12 Plus phones were the older style uh, phones that um, Celsius had built or, you know, had created for this. And what was um, the model number on that phone? What were the model numbers? Do you remember? At, yeah. So, uh, SP12 plus. SP12 plus. I'm just looking this up. I got to get a picture on one of these for the, uh, anyways, keep going. Yeah. I can picture them pretty well. They, um, they look like a, you know, really your boxy 2500 set of your old, you know, kind of phone. I mean, you know, it actually looked like a hardened stew phone in a in a DOD kind of world, except it wasn't hardened in DOD uh, from the 1970s. It was truly, uh, you know, I mean, I'm used to like the 7960s and yeah. 20s that you used to see on 24 forever that were on every television show, you know. So that's a Ferrari compared to this um, K car, um, I would say. So, okay. but, uh, but these were, these were great. They, they absolutely did exactly what they, they needed to do. And, uh, so we got, I got them out to two to each of the 184 sites, one to the, the CO, the other one to the admin chief, typically who I would mostly interface with yep. or the IT chief. Usually that's the same person. Um, and, uh, we were rocking and rolling and, what you kind know, of internet did you guys have at, at all these? Uh, yeah, good question. We had a, a frame relay network. Um, nice frame yeah. relay. I haven't heard that <laughs> forever. Yeah. And it was, uh, 
I mean, it, I was trying to think prior to uh, our conversation exactly what the speeds were, and it was, you know, pitiful. I mean, maybe... You only had two phones. You had only had two phones at every Yeah. Level. So you I had, know it had a, You had at least, like, a meg. You had at least, like... Two, yeah. Right? Okay. Well, and, no, I think it was 768K. Uh, was it G711? Uh, were we running, like... What no, we actually, we were running G723.1, which okay. is the most compressed... Um, okay, so that was fine. Yeah, it had a good MOS score, quite frankly, at 3.6 versus, you know, 3.8, 3.9. We were good with it. Uh, these were, you know, these are Marines. They're used they to have talking like a couple on the calls. radio. They only have a couple calls going on at one time. There's like two phones in every location, exactly. right? So you're looking at, what, like max 70K or what are we, 23 and 23 or something? Is that right? Yeah, actually, the G723.1 was... I think only like an eight. And so with overhead, it was less than 22 K per call or so. Um, So yeah, zero CIR though. So we learned kind of going into it um, on the, you know, as we went that frame relay with no CIR might not be the best, you know, drafting packets isn't the best thing for voice, but um, you know, good learning. Yeah. So what was the call? What was the call quality? Like when you, okay, so you roll all this crap out, what do you do? You drive, do you send the phones to all these places and say, Hey, plug this in this way. Or I mean, what do you guys do? Yep. That was exactly it. Send it out and say, all right, you're going to do, you know, this key combination, it's going to bring up this menu. You're going to type in this IP address. Uh-huh. Uh, we didn't use DHCP on the phones at that time. Um, we did kind of, or at least in the beginning, we didn't. We did as we moved farther along, uh, but we didn't really understand, you know, putting, um, you know, the DHCP option 150 and kind of all that. We weren't that far advanced yet um, in the early stages. Um, but so... Uh, you get it all out. What about troubleshooting? What was troubleshooting like? Was there call quality issues? Did anyone ever complain or was like, that's it, we're done? You yeah, know, not really. Mission accomplished? <laughs> yeah. That, and, and so by, I think, early November of 99, they were all out there and people were using them. And, and quite frankly, call quality was fine. Uh, the The network that we had was pretty well suited to the amount of traffic that we, we mm-hmm. really experienced. So, it was the the chance that somebody would be on one of those phone calls when there was some kind of ingress or egress problem was is pretty mm-hmm. rare. So um, call quality was fine. People, um, you know, didn't really have any issue. the The caveat was it was just a call. There was no additional services associated at that time. You know what's a deeper story and a more even an eye-opening story would be how did those boxes get into the corner where they told you to open them? <laughs> even just how those boxes got there to begin with is another whole story as to how some guy sold those boxes to somebody and they ended up in the corner and they told you, Hey, go put them in. So I because know that answer too. You do. Okay. Cause there's gotta be some ridiculous, that just is absolutely absurd. It's like, Hey, you know, let's be real detailed with the rollout process. Let's make sure we get the right people involved. You know, like that's normally what I'm talking about. You know, let's make yeah. sure we get everything right ahead of time. Instead it was like some guy sold something and threw some boxes in the corner and then they told a random guy, you to go put them in. So the taxpayer in you might cringe at this, but uh, this was my understanding and this, so it might be hearsay, um, but my understanding was, you know, you maintain, especially if you're the G6, which is the uh, the IT department of a headquarters element, yeah. um, you have this list of 
hey, this would be cool to buy and, and play around with. And we got and, money to spend. We have to spend it. Well, actually, this was somebody else called up and says, hey, I have this left over my budget. Can you spend it? Yep. <laughs> and uh, so the trigger was pulled. And uh, yep. So, I have never seen more money. I've seen, and this is, uh, maybe, I hope I don't get like shot for this or maybe <laughs> yeah. dead or something, you know, but I've never seen more money spent when I lived in DC. I mean, I saw, you know, whole businesses exist just to help some guy that's a butt in the seat and the government spend money. Right. So the, the headquarters element of the Marine Forces Reserve is in New Orleans for the Marine Forces active duty is Quantico, mm. Virginia. So mm. um, the same rules apply there. Uh, it's just less scrutiny, less brass, um, less press uh, in mm. New Orleans. So, Well, good for the, good for the Cisco guy finding. <laughs> for finding sure. Hole. Uh, and it, hey, and look, at, and look at what it did. It, it moved us forward in the world of technology, okay? So uh, that whole, the, the whole, this whole reason for being is, is what's created technology to move forward and kept us ahead in the future. That, that's going to be our argument for spending that money. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, you know, we, we could go, we go along there. Now, um, what else did we have here? What, there, was, there was something else that we had to talk about as to... So I, I think from that experience, though, um, I think the real, like, as you mentioned, kind of driving at least that industry forward. Mm-hmm. Um, so that was all for Y2K. So the reason was to get those phones out there. So in case Y2K created, you know, gridlock and, and a whole bunch of people on the phones or took down the traditional PSTN, mm-hmm. we had some other way to mobilize those Marines to help prevent you know, chaos. Oh, disaster, um, disaster avoidance. Right. So we were selling, we we're selling on disaster avoidance during Y2K. Yeah. Somebody thought and that the frame awesome. relay network would work even if the phone systems didn't. I'm not sure about the logic there, but <laughs> that, that at least was, was where it was coming from. Um, so awesome. once it, we get it, beyond it a good that. Point, though. I mean, wipe yeah. does provide a, a, a quite a wide range of disaster avoidance um, and sure. disasters at the same time. Um, yeah. Well, and your your phone follows you wherever you are. That's a that's a huge uh, mm-hmm. a huge dr benefit um, yeah. for that product set right now. Um, the, as far as the industry moving forward, what came after that when we realized that well that was kind of silly. Um, we now though started to think about this. This still is a very powerful kind of architecture in that it's not based on it's not tied to the copper that is facility specific. It's now virtual. Mm-hmm. And what can we do with that? And for us, uh, we had a problem where our remote sites, um, those units would up and just move across town for no real reason. And when they did that, we would have to abandon a key system we bought months before mm-hmm. and buy a new key system at the tune of $25,000. Now, why would you buy it? Why wouldn't you just move the key system? I don't get it. And I'm, uh, I'm playing devil's advocate here. Like, why yeah. would you leave it? I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. Well, in a lot of cases, yeah, we're co-located with a Navy unit that doesn't oh. leave. So gotcha. now, yeah. So now we can't take it away from them. So, um, and were you building VPNs for extension dialing or no one cared? It was just call a different number type of thing. Uh, so when we started rolling it out, we were doing full service. And um, so that was kind of the next iteration. So what we did was at that point in time say, we can we can do centralized hosted voice really with mm-hmm. this product. Um, the Extending the network 
by this, you know, frame relay layer two piece means that it doesn't matter if that phone is, you know, a thousand miles away or 10 feet away, the network doesn't care. Um, and so we, we decided to move in that direction. Uh, it was interesting. The response we got back from Cisco was, well, you can't do that, but we can sell you call managers at all these sites. Uh, our answer to that was, well, that's no different than buying key systems for all these sites. You're, you're yeah. missing the point. This is where we really get into the, yeah, this is great. Yeah. And, and so our answer to them was, you know, it was weird. We we're in a position to have to explain routing to uh, to Cisco. No, you're missing the point. We're going to centralize the call managers and put the phones at the edge and um, support them there. And, and they kind of said, well, you can't do that. Telephony, you have to have remote survivability. And we said, well, let's do that. I mean, there is a gateway that's that's capable of terminating, you know, voice mm-hmm. uh, circuits at there. Why can't the router provide that local survivability? And all of a sudden, um, you know, Cisco started to do Cisco stuff, and uh, survival remote site telephony became uh, a path. And uh, I got the benefit of actually being a, a beta test engineer on Vespa, which was what grew into survival remote site telephony, or that was the the code name of that code and, uh, you know, got input into that. And, um, even prior to it being, uh, call actual, you like the father of VoIP. Well, I don't know. Call about you, that. We should, I'm fa- sure I wasn't the, the only centralized, one. The father of centralized Cisco VoIP who told Cisco like, no, <laughs> I, I don't, I, so I was part of the conversation. I don't know that I was the only part of the conversation, but, um, we definitely at that time, um, you know, I think influenced, well, I, I should say we definitely influenced what functionality went in there and how it went in there and, and kind of when and, and maybe the timeline uh, because prior to it even being a general release product, mm-hmm. um, we, were, we were rolling out Vespa code when it was still codenamed Vespa code and given to us as beta, um, we were rolling it out to sites and, and you know, hanging phones and using that as that military site's uh, phone so you guys system. centralized it. You guys centralized right. it. It worked. I wonder if you were like one. Of, were you guys like one of the first to do that? Like, I mean, honestly, I, I would. I would guess yes. Uh, I don't know of anybody. Um, That's especially just really... within the DoD that beat us, and and we actually went to Marine Corps headquarters and trained them on what we were doing, um, and we talked to. So that was in Quantico, and talked to a lot of other DoD folks uh, that came and looked and kind of you know hung out with us. Uh, from other branches, and uh, that was new to them as well. What we were doing, they were familiar with uh, the idea, but they weren't doing anything, you know, remotely close to that. It's just uh, such a great story. Um, you have another really good story, which is kind of when you, uh, you know, just to kind of move into like the leadership piece. Like you know, fast forward uh, all these years, all this experience, um, just to kind of turn the tables a little bit here. You you came into a situation where you had a bunch of different groups. Maybe maybe you can talk more about the leadership here. Maybe not working very well together. Everyone thinking they were going to be, you know, the right way to go. Sure. Um, and you kind of had to manage that that human aspect or that human factor and technology altogether. Let's kind of maybe just give me a little bit of background on that one, or tell me tell that story. Sure. Uh, I think you're alluding to CHS, my current role, and and I came into it three years ago uh, as the you know, kind of converged infrastructure manager. And, and that role was created specifically because 
the server storage team, which at that time owned the collaboration tools of email and, you know, really um, kind of that communication piece as well as the telephony team and the network team here at CHS. And all three of those teams, um, you know, didn't necessarily get along super well together. And uh, so from an operational perspective, you know, there was, there's some opportunities there. Uh, at the same time, CHS was at a point within its major, you know, headquarters campuses, but even at its remote sites where it had legacy, uh, you know, technology and it needed to make a decision on that. And it had, you know, that incumbent um, manufacturer as well as its network, you know, um, manufacturer and its productivity suite and desktop suite manufacturer kind of all saying, you know, we're the way of the future. We're, we're, you know, the way to go with your new, you know, um, voice path. And if you don't go with us, you know, you're going to be left behind. Um, and of course, everybody has, you know, great references. Everybody has great stories and case studies mm-hmm. that they yep. can provide as, as to why they're the best. And so CHS was really stuck in that analysis paralysis phase of who do we believe? And, and if we pick one way, what, what, how does that negatively impact this, this other major part and very important part of our, of our technical ecosystem? And, so what was kind of the overall, the overarching problem that, that really needed to be solved? Well, yeah, so the, the phone system that we had, or, you know, uh, in the building specifically serving our, our main campus mm-hmm. uh, was, you know, needed to be refreshed, needed a significant amount of money put into it. Uh, it was all still digital uh, handsets mostly. So mm-hmm. it either needed to be switched to IP, um, which was, you know, a, a considerable cost for like-for-like handsets or switch out with a new manufacturer's handset which, you know, would, would bring in IP at that time mm-hmm. or, or do something completely different. Um, at the same time, um, you know, the desire to have things more integrated and be able to, to use, you know, some higher functionality uh, was there. Uh, also, disaster recovery. There were, there were plans, but in looking through the plans, it was pretty easy for me to say, you know, as a telephony person, I, I see what you're trying to do here. That's not going to work the way that you think it's going to work. And uh, nice, yeah. It's give me an example. Yeah. What, what was one of the plans that was just you know not going well, to work? a lot of times we a lot of times people sell like this. They sell like the dream, right? But right, uh, or people get sold the dream, and uh, I don't know what happens after the fact is a completely different thing. Or they get sold on features and benefits, and no one ever talks about well now we're going to hand you off to a project manager and uh, you know, something else happens. But anyways, what was not going to work? Well, it it was, um, so, you know, what do we do for disaster recovery? So, okay, we're, we're going to rent this space. Uh, This space is going to deliver us phones and they're going to, you know, give us phone numbers that we can dial into to, to bring these phones. Um, Okay, great. <laughs> you know, um, excellent. <laughs> you know, um, what phone numbers are you going to have point to these phones? Well, we're not sure. You know, what, who's going to make that decision? Who, at what point in time, you know, uh, you know, who decides to flip the switch? What switch gets flipped? You know, um, how are you going to flip the switch? Uh, are, you, are you forwarding calls in our PBX? Well, what happens if your PBX is down? You know, wh- where does that configuration lie? Uh, so all that stuff was, 
you know, I, I would say the predecessors, you know, just kind of doing their best to to do what they thought was a comprehensive, you know, somewhat checking the box of yes, we have our our you know eggs covered in our basket, but you know when you started to you know, um, say, all right, in this scenario, what happens if this happens? You know, there weren't answers there. Um, so, uh, being able to come up with something that solved all that at the same time as, as solving these other things were, you know, was kind of the, the to do, if you will. Um, and one of the first things that I concentrated on and, and what was great, at least when I came into, to this role at CHS was, I was easily able to recognize that it it wasn't that they they didn't know what answer to to land on it's that they didn't fully realize that their question had changed. The question was not what kind of phones you need it's how how do you really want to communicate with yourselves and your customers as a company and is it time for that evolution and it was, and they just needed someone to say, "Yes, <laughs> it's time." And, and you'll be okay. And so, what so now, what do you end up well, doing? So we, you know, so Microsoft owned the desktop and we already paid for the entire Skype, you know, suite of, oh, so, you went of E3. Uh, so you went to the, the, you went Skype for business? Yeah, Skype for business. We already had E4 actually at the time. Okay. So we were Added paying the phone for. System. Oh, you were paying for the phone system, $4 license or whatever that is nowadays. Yeah. Yeah, we we did the a la carte uptick on that, and and then spread in. Uh, so now we're a mixture of E five and E three, uh, but on prem. And um, again, the decision there was pretty easy because we had an on prem instance already because I am, um, and they wanted to do they were, they were doing screen sharing with it. So mm-hmm. all I, you know, my decision, if you will, or or at least my recommendation that that was uh, ratified mm-hmm. was let's just use what we have <laughs> because it's capable of doing what you want yeah. and um, let's not pay anything else. If that should prove to not be sufficient, people will take our money and we'll be able to do a lot of other things if, if we need to. But I'm betting that um, this will prove out to be more than, what, more than capable of doing what we want it to do. And three years later, uh, our, our 1100 person campus is, is fully cut over with the exception of, you know, a handful of people that have some specific recording needs mm-hmm. that actually those will be, you know, moved pretty soon. And, um, the entire, you know, everybody loves it. Um, you know, there is no hard phones anymore. Oh, really? Exception of, yeah, wow, nice. exception of safety. And, and <laughs> I, I don't, I don't want to sound like I was, you know, um, had this great vision. Uh, I was the Cisco phone guy at Target who said, that'll never work. People are never going to get rid of their phones. They're never well, going to go with I a mean, you can have a You can have no. a Polycom or Cisco phone on, yeah, on, sure. use it on Skype for business. I mean, there's no, no reason why you couldn't do that. So you could have a Cisco right. phone. Are you guys doing, are you direct with Microsoft or are you using a partner, a direct partner, like a uh, yeah, you know, no, for the most part, direct with Microsoft, you know, really good partnership um, yeah. there. And quite frankly, we're, we're big enough where we have, you know, good direct partnerships with almost all of our vendors. Uh, certainly, there's a lot of vendors that, that go through VARs and we do purchase mm-hmm. mostly through VARs. But at the same time, uh, our relationship is almost always through the manufacturer with paperwork a lot of times through VARs. Uh, right. So we usually bring them both to the table. Um, nice. Again, just because we 
we are at a scale where we can kind of pull that off. Yeah. Uh, uh, we know that that's not always, you know, the case for others. Um, but at the same time, we're, we, we do love to, uh, you know, partner with other companies to, uh, <laughs> you know, use the group because, and things uh, like that. So sometimes you're, sometimes depending on the size where you're at, sometimes you get the, you get the support that you want from Microsoft. And sometimes yep. if you're not big enough, you don't get the support you want. That's uh, kind of why I was, yeah, why I was totally asking there. Um, and then, uh, so are you guys going to do the, the, are you on teams now? So are we fully, are, are we upgraded to teams and everyone's using teams or what? So we're, we're dabbling with teams. Uh, we actually do use teams a lot for, well, I should say certain, certain parts of the organization are, especially the IT part mm-hmm. are starting to use teams a lot. Uh, certainly the writing's on the wall that, that, that is where, uh, you know, we're going to eventually get to, mm-hmm. um, we're, you know, so new on our rollout of, you know, here's Skype, here's the new way to do things yeah. that we're reluctant to say, hey, I know we said this is the new way to do things, but guess what? There's a newer, newer way to do things. <laughs> um, we're not quite ready to do that yet. Maybe, um, the, so. new th- maybe the new thing should be change. The <laughs> yeah, exactly. thing that you guys need to be prepared for is that things are going to change all the time. That's the new thing. Right. Uh, I, th- I think when the, uh, when the conversation is Skype is now called Teams, um, yes. th- that'll be a, a more consumable message. Um, so we'll, you, we'll do that then. So, hey, for anyone out there, for anyone out there listening, do you have any tips or tricks or any, I don't know, secret weapons or anything like that, that or final message that you would like to leave for anyone out there listening today? Uh, I would just say that um, you know, when I came to CHS, there was a lot of fear around going down, you know, this path or, you know, kind of any path, especially with the modern, you know, whether it be hosted voice or, or that. Um, a lot of the negativity that people will, will bring about is, you know, three, four, five years old. And, and you know, quite frankly, the world changes in, in two years or one year. Uh, so that stuff from five years ago, in a lot of ways, is, is no longer relevant. Uh, mm-hmm. But but really, um, you know, so I'm not saying there isn't reasons to be cautious. E911, you know, how you're doing locationality, all of that is completely different in this world and you better understand it. Uh, yeah, the, that's legit, yeah. but no one ever talks about it, right? People right. talk about like, oh, no, VoIP is the, the enemy or VoIP is this, but that's really not. Um, uh, E911 is a legit, is an absolute legitimate thing to get right. Yeah, for sure. And And I... Uh, I'd be available and, and I mean, I, I, uh, I don't know what, I guess I should ask beforehand what your stance on this is, but I'm, I'm perfectly willing to, uh, to have people reach out to me and, and talk about this or anything or, or come on again or, or you know, whatever you want. But, um, okay. E911 is something that I'm, um, super more versed in than I, than I would rather, would like to be, I guess, uh, because of, uh, you know, certainly with, uh, designing systems for, for target, um, in several states and now in CHS with several states, uh, it is something like, like you said, it's, it's a legit concern that you don't want to get wrong, uh, especially when lives are at stake. It's, that's not the kind of publicity that any, any organization wants. So, um, get that right. I've never heard of a really bad E901 horror story, but I'm sure it's happened before. Well, and it, and it's not, I mean, I so, have heard of them happening yeah. back in the day when people would be on like a shared tenant server and mm-hmm. 
they would take a phone home or send a phone and, you know what I mean? Like just send it out to someone's home office and they dialed yep. 911 or someone dialed it, but it was usually by mistake that someone dialed 911 and that's how they figured sure. it out. But I've never had like a real bad, like someone died E911 horror story, but obviously it's definitely yeah. somewhere. But I think the only one that comes to mind is, I think it's Kari's law that, um, it was a legislation for um, that says that you you have to be able to just dial nine one one as well as dial nine nine one one on any phone for it to reach the PSAP uh, because there was a a child who kept dialing nine one one and it wasn't going through because she yeah. didn't that, she didn't yeah. get an outside line so yeah. that legislation has has changed so yeah but yeah you're right um, luckily. It, that hasn't been thrust to the forefront, but uh, that is something that, um, you know, I have to, I bring up at least once a week or so in conversation to say, you know, be cognizant of this because this is not, this is not something we want hitting the front page in yeah. any community that we're in. Yeah. Yeah. So, so back to the advice, uh, fear, oh, yeah. fear and negativity. So fear yeah. is four years old. Um, yeah. People are talking about it. Uh, yeah. As if it's, if it's, as if it's new. Right. And don't be afraid to challenge the, do you really, do you really need the phone construct as you, as, as it's been for, you know, 40 years or you mean like a piece of plastic sitting on the desk? Yeah, right. Exactly. Is it, is, you know, take it up, a, take it up a step. Is it, are, do we really need to buy a new mousetrap or, or can we start thinking about using a cat? You know, so you um, guys have some significant end users there though. I mean, so you made that argument to at least 1100 people to get rid of a physical phone. Yeah. And, and how'd they deal with that? Well, I mean, because honestly, headsets aren't cheap. Headsets, I mean, my job or pro was at least 250 bucks when I bought it, you know, so. So yeah, for sure. Well, and, and the thing is the phones that they were displacing were already paid for and already depreciated and already, oh, so you're you know, really making off the books. Yeah. 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 Okay. So, um, it, it did pay for itself though, because of, you know, the, the replacement cost, but at the same time, all the savings that came with it, the, the real pieces, um, I've introduced, or not I, we've introduced um, a work-life balance flexibility piece that they've never seen before. Please now that explain. they can... Oh, because not, they can work from home. They can take that laptop out on the boat, and if they have signal, you take your calls there. There's, so there's how no is that longer... Work-life balance? That sounds like more work. <laughs> yeah. Well, that, that <laughs> could be too. Um, it's... That sounds like, hey, now we can Good reach point. you everywhere. <laughs> now, yeah. now while you're sitting at home trying to watch, I don't know, Game of Thrones or something, which I, just for the record, I've never watched a single episode. So, Probably get slaughtered for that. But All right, we're um, done here. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> the, um, but yeah, so, so yeah, how did that go over? I'm just curious. Um, yeah, we're not forcing them to answer. We're just saying that they get, no, uh, so we've, you know, well, with the integration into to email, to, uh, you know, kind of give the whole unified communications piece. Um, but having them no longer have to be at their desk, being able to work in any part of the, on the campus, they can go outside and sit under a tree and work. They can, uh, you know, again, be at home, be at a coffee shop, be, you know, at different other locations. Uh, they can go from facility to facility. And for a lot of our extended or, you know, for our sales folks or, or mm-hmm. more nomadic workforce, yeah. that was a great boon because they would be missing stuff all the time. And, and what kind of hassle is it to have to remember four phone numbers for, for somebody? So, 
so what are they doing? Pull, pulling up their laptop, putting a headset on, or are they just using their cell phone and the mobile application or how? Yeah, a combination of both. It'll, it'll okay. simultaneous ring on two or three things. And, you know, they, they have the ability to go in and move ads and changes have gone away mm-hmm. completely. So, you know, where, where we, we call right. those the Mac attacks. Mac. Yeah, where we had to staff that before we don't anymore. Uh-huh. Okay. Uh, and people feel empowered to tailor their phone experience or their communication experience to how they want it. So awesome. So that's how we, that's how we get over the, I have to have my piece of plastic on the desk, uh, fear argument, I guess. Um, and been been a great conversation. Thank you so much for being on the show. Uh, really has been a pleasure and I'm sure we have a ton more stories that we can talk about. So absolutely. I would have you on the show in the future. Um, and anyone that wants to reach out, um, to you, the best way to find you, at least the way that I found you was on, on LinkedIn. So, um, John Larson, LinkedIn type in target, uh, you'll, you'll pop up. Yep. And it's, uh, L A R S E N. Uh, on the last name, J-O-H-N. And yeah, Target, C-H-S, I-N-C, um, all those will work. And uh, yeah, feel free to reach out. And uh, thanks a lot, Phil. I really appreciate it. Yeah, man. Thank you so much for being on the show.